Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. This week on the podcast, I'm uncovering something that I think we have all thought about, either consciously or unconsciously. What exactly makes a perfect yoga teacher? As we explore perfectionism this season on the podcast, I wanted to build a job description for what we might consider to be the perfect yoga teacher. What does she look like? Do they have a particular outfit, a particular demeanor? Let's talk about it. But first, before we go forward into that perfect yoga teacher indeed description, Can you take a moment and follow the podcast from wherever you're listening? If you're feeling spicy, I'd also love it if you left a review or rating for the podcast so that other yoga professionals can find us gathered around the water cooler, chatting and talking shop in the most meaningful way possible. Also, thanks once again to Sunlight Streams and Sunlight Apothecary for being sponsors of Working in Yoga. Sunlight focuses on caring deeply for yourself and loves to support small business owners to remind themselves to deeply rest when they need to. And trust us, you need to. Check out all of their writing on the subject at www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash blog and sign up for my newsletter from the show notes. I just got word of some seriously cool things that are happening this summer across the U.S. So sign up and stay up to date. Now, What makes a perfect yoga teacher? In research for this episode, I turned to our loving information overlord, Google, to see what she has to say. Turns out there is a list of 23 core things that Google identifies as qualities of a quote, good or great yoga teacher. And honestly, if this is what great is, I have very little shot at being perfect. (laughs) A few in particular stand out to me as nearly impossible. Here's the list. Number one, a love of yoga. That feels like low-hanging fruit, but yes. Number two, assisting students. That's called teaching, teaching anything, so sure. Number three, communication, sure. Number four, flexibility. Nope. In fact, I was just talking about this with one of my teachers yesterday. You don't need to be physically flexible to teach yoga. Number five, no ego. Okay, what in the actual hell here? We got to do that now? Just to be a good yoga teacher? Okay. Number six, preparation. Again, teaching best practices. Number seven, presence. A must. We don't employ ghosts, I don't think. Number eight, knowledge. 
Number nine, patience. Number 10, they are a registered yoga instructor. Okay, well, I'm officially out, even if I did have no ego. Number 11, be knowledgeable, but open to suggestion. Okay, yes, but seriously, this is 11. We are only halfway through with this list, and that seems like a really big ask. Number 12, cleanliness of the space. Studios should be setting the stage for this. Let's just say that right now. Number 13, clear instruction. That's, again, teaching best practices. Number 14, connection and intuition. For fuck's sake. Okay, number 15, (laughs) deep knowledge of yoga. Sure, but what about new teachers? By definition, can they not be good or great at their jobs? I'm not sure. Number 16, effective teachers let students lead. Seriously, what in the actual hell does that mean? I mean, I know what it means in andragogy practices, but teach to the people in the room seems like a more effective way to say that. Number 17, empathy. Yes, of course, and for humans in general, not just your students. 18, experience. Okay, yes, new people, you're out, but I tentatively agree with this one. 19, grow your asana practice. Okay, I'm going to throw hands for the amount of times that we are saying this phrase to each other without defining terms, reasoning, or meaning. Yes, you need to be a practicing yoga practitioner to be teaching yoga, but can we someday just define that for people so we don't go around feeling like we're not enough all the time? 20. Personable. Well, I know many famous yoga people who are anything but that. Number 21. Teaching. Now, I expanded this on Google because I was like, well, yes. And Google expanded this to say passion or desire for teaching. So sure, yeah. 22. They have a way with words. All right, but lots of us get tongue-tied. Does that make us bad teachers? Also, this is a salesperson trait too, right? Number 23. They have an authentic personality. Again, for the bazillionth time, I'm going to take issue with the idea of authentic anything. It's a myth in large part, my friends. There is some sort of cultural ideal that there is one true way to show up as a person in any given situation. And if you don't do that, you're a fraud. And I call bullshit on that on the whole. Nobody shows up as the same version of themselves in every situation. For example, I'm cursing here on this podcast, but I don't curse at my kids. And I rarely ever curse as a yoga teacher in class. In fact, I can't think of the last time I cursed while teaching a yoga class. We are different versions of ourselves based on the situation. It doesn't make us less authentic if you change based on your environment. Look, it's too much, my friends. We're doing too much. What kind of superhuman person could embody all of these things all of the time in order to accompany everyone's idea of what a great yoga teacher should be? Now, I also went on to Reddit to see if they had anything else or different to say. And honestly, most of their comments were the same. And there was a larger range, though. So some of the comments ranged from, quote unquote, a great butt to nose anatomy to trauma informed. Now, while I can sit here and say with confidence that I know I'm a good, if not great yoga teacher for a particular student who likes my style of teaching, if I've got to do all this, I'm about to tender my resignation. 
For a minute, before I started researching this episode, I considered sort of building a snarky, kind of funny, tongue-in-cheek job description for us that included things like skinny, 27-year-old, female, white, who only wears Lululemon. But truthfully, I take us more seriously than that. And I know so many incredible and amazing people who teach yoga, not only in my studio, I'm very lucky to have an amazing team in my studio, but I know people from all across the world who are incredible yoga teachers. And I want us to see if we can come to a consensus about what it means to be good, great, and if not perfect at our jobs. So I'm starting with this gargantuan list of qualities that the internet gave me, And as usual for my brain, I've put them into buckets. What does make that perfect yoga teacher? While, of course, this is going to vary from person to person, I think we can unpack some of this together. Let's start with some basic buckets that we can categorize some of these qualities into. I like this method of sorting through information, mostly mostly because it causes me to rethink my own position on a topic and allows me to expand on larger categories while giving space for nuanced thinking. So what is our first bucket? Teaching methodology. Now, I already have plans to cover best practices for andagogy, which is teaching adults, when I do the season coming the summer slash fall on our yoga teacher trainings. But for now, we can take some of the suggestions found by Google and add them to this bucket. Assisting students, communication, preparedness, knowledge, clear instruction, and repeats of those like has a way with words and knowledge of yoga, all to me fall in this category. Now, has a way with words also falls in a different category too, so stay tuned for that. But these would be the expectations we have of anyone teaching a thing to other people. We want our teachers to be able to assist students, communicate their ideas and expectations clearly, of course, to be prepared, and to understand the material be it teaching tea blending or yoga or fermentation or gardening or welding or anything else that is a skill or activity that you want to teach other people. These are all under what I would consider to be a list of best practices. The idea of presence is also something that I would consider to be a vital trait of a high quality yoga instructor. Now the language I would use is how we run our rooms. And if you want to head back into the podcast archives, I had a conversation with Deborah Flaschenberg last year where we discussed what an advantage it was that she had some theater training when she started teaching. Knowing how to command an audience is a lot like knowing how to run a room of people. We use our own energy and presence in order to tell people clearly and hopefully warmly what we want them to do. That isn't dissimilar to the idea that an actor uses their stage presence to tell an audience the story they want them to hear. While I know we dislike that we might be faking anything, especially considered how many times the word authenticity came up during my internet search of the perfect yoga teacher, but there is something about how a person can captivate and move the energy of a room that matters in our job. As I said, I will cover this more in the fall, but in this instance, I agree with Google. We shouldn't be ghosts, and we should clearly be in charge of the space in a safe and respectful way that allows people to explore their own internal experiences, which to me is presence. There are other thoughts I have about teaching methodology, but the one thing I want to clearly say is that our job is to be a teacher first and foremost. 
A lot of people throughout the years have tried to define what we do differently. A guide, an experiential host, yoga leaders, and more using different terms. But we teach. We are teachers. And that comes with a clearly defined set of responsibilities and guidelines that, and this is the important part, we did not make up ourselves. We know and understand what it is to be a teacher, what conduct is expected, and how we should behave. And that matters. The next bucket I would call yoga stuff. That is the knowledge of yoga, the business of yoga, personal practice, and any and all of the specific things that are applicable for us to be a teacher of this thing, of yoga. We don't need to know how to make sauerkraut to be a yoga instructor, because that isn't something we need to share with our students. But we need to know body movements, the basics of safe mobility and anatomy, and quite a bit about the tradition and practice of yoga. We need to know about the nervous system, breath work, meditation, philosophical principles, and of course, asana. Asana is what people expect when they come into our rooms. So we need to have knowledge of yoga asana. To what degree and extent we need to know these things to be the perfect, great, or even good yoga teacher is up for debate though. I have spent thousands of hours in training and up-leveling my skill set, and occasionally I realized that I didn't need to know all this stuff in order to be good at my job. I love yoga, so I suppose I do embody that first quality that Google defines, but a lot of my knowledge I sought out for my own learning. Now, I told myself that I was learning to become a better teacher, and perhaps that was some of the reasoning, but for the most part, I was learning so that I could become a better human. That is the gift of a life of yoga study as it was given to me. The ability to build myself into the person that I wanted to become. The surprise of it was honestly the realization that I was that woman the whole time. But that's yoga, isn't it? The discovery of our own inner perfection and the ability to trust ourselves. And gosh, I love that about us. But also, it's hella annoying, you know? But yes, yoga stuff. We've got to know a thing or two about yoga. Now the final bucket here, I'm calling, huh? This is where I'm laying the no ego, authentic personality, intuition, and also kind of the have a way with words and knowledgeable but open to suggestion kind of nonsense that I saw on this list. Now I will go back to say knowledgeable but open to suggestion is essentially teaching to the students in your space and is a basic tenet of teaching anything. But do we have to make everything sound so new agey? Even Google made it sound new agey for us. And how does one cover that in a 200 hour teacher training program that we have as our industry standard? And disillusion of ego seems like a high expectation to cover in 200 or 500 hours. Intuition? Okay, sure, maybe. But what does that have to do with being a good yoga teacher? Away with words? I mean, for fuck's sake. Again, this is another one that I both understand and can see, but is also something that I find to be an unreasonable set of expectations. Who wrote the articles and sources that Google is pulling to make that assertion? And of course, as I said above, I take issue with the idea that someone is required to be quote unquote authentic in any standard that someone else has set. There are those virtue ethics, once again, asking for our financial support. 
Someone else knows how we're supposed to be and how we need to live up to that ideal. Now, don't get me wrong. I absolutely want you to show up as much of your whole ass self as possible when teaching yoga and living your life. But having that be a requirement for doing a good or great job, I just don't know how helpful that is. Now, I did ask ChatGPT the same question I asked Reddit and Google, if you were wondering, and their list was by far, and I mean by far, the clear winner. Ignoring the irony that the first item on the ChatGPT list talks about authenticity, I was fairly satisfied with these traits. Number one, authenticity. A perfect yoga teacher is genuine and authentic, embodying the principles and values of yoga in their own life. Number two, knowledgeable, possesses a deep understanding of yoga philosophy, anatomy, and asana, in parentheses poses, to guide students effectively and safely. Number three, adaptability, can modify and adapt classes to suit the varying needs and abilities of the students offering alternatives for different levels. Number four, clear communication. Communicates instructions very clearly and effectively using language that is inclusive and easy for students to understand. Hell yeah, Chad GPT. Number five, empathy. Demonstrates empathy and compassion, understanding the individual needs and challenges of a student. Number six, observant. Yes, yes, yes pays attention to students' body language, and provides timely and constructive feedback to help improve their practice. Number seven, encouraging and supportive. Yes, please. Creates a positive and encouraging atmosphere, motivating students to explore and expand their practice without judgment. Number eight, cultivates mindfulness. Helps students connect with their breath, body, and mind, fostering mindfulness throughout the practice. Number nine, respect for diversity. Oh, good gracious, ChatGPT, swoon. Embraces and respects the diversity of students, creating an inclusive and welcoming space for people of all backgrounds and abilities. Number 10, professionalism. Maintains a professional demeanor, including punctuality, proper class planning, and ethical conduct. Number 11, conscientious learning. A perfect yoga teacher is committed to their ongoing learning and personal practice, staying up t- updated on new developments in yoga and related fields. Yes. Number 12, flexibility. But wait, here's how ChatGPT defines flexibility. Is open to feedback and adapts teaching methods as needed, recognizing that different students may require different approaches. Thank you so much. Number 13, passion for teaching, demonstrates a genuine passion for teaching and helping students on their yoga journey. Number 14, safety conscious, prioritizes the safety of students, providing clear instructions and ensuring a safe practice environment. And 15, a sense of humor, infuses a sense of lightness and joy into classes, creating a positive and enjoyable experience for students. Now, ChatGPT also added this. Remember, perfection is subjective, and different students may prioritize different qualities in their ideal yoga teacher. The most important thing is that the teacher creates a supportive and transformative environment for their students. Thanks, ChatGPT. You did a great job. What traits do you consider to be part of our perfect job description? Sign up for my newsletter and let me know. 
Next week on the podcast, I have an interview with Daniel Simpson that I'm so excited to share. This is one of those conversations that I recorded in late December when I was recording the bulk of the season, and I couldn't stop telling people about this one thing that he said. So I will catch you around the water cooler then, hanging out with Daniel. Thanks, as usual, to our sponsor, Sunlight Streams, and check out their self-care blog at www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash blog. Thanks for listening, friends. I am so grateful you're here.